0: Take your balloons to the next level as we delve deeper
1: into what truly makes a professional balloon artist with your host, Zivi Kivi. Now, welcome to the Balloon Artist Podcast.
0: Hello, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. This is Season 2, Chapter 2. And this week, the interview will be with none other but Matt Falloon. Matt Falloon is a really nice guy. Not a lot of people know that Matt Falloon is not just super talented with his sculptures and his balloons and in his great DVDs, but he's also making a living, basically, by doing balloon shows. And as a balloon entertainer, he really knows how to construct his balloon shows because he did it uh, by himself after doing uh, magic shows before that, but he totally made the switch to doing solely balloon shows. Uh, in this chapter, you will learn a lot of ideas of how to start your own balloon shows, how to construct balloon shows, and basically what's more, most important in balloon shows. Please note that the interview took place in WBC. We had a couple of beers before that, and you could hear that in our cranky uh, voices, at least mine. We were also very tired because we were jamming and jamming and having lots of fun in WBC 16. But with that said, there is so much value that Matt shares in this interview. I'm sure you would love it. Here is Matt Falloon. Hello, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. Today we are here in WBC 16. And with me I have Matt Falloon. Matt Falloon is a veteran twister from uh, Australia. And he has a balloon show. He has uh, multiple designs that uh, he teaches in his DVDs. He's an instructor for multiple conventions. He's a really nice guy. And uh, I have uh, the opportunity here to meet with him on WBC and to have some of his time here to share with us his ideas about his balloon show. So welcome, Matt.
1: Well, first of all, I want to say thanks for saying I'm a nice guy. That would, that's it's nice that they came last at the list of things that I was. But, um, but, no, I am a nice guy, yeah. Regardless of what you've heard, I'm a nice guy. Edit that out if you need to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I think it's okay. Uh, well, uh, so, so Matt is uh, also a nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, here in WBC, we do have a few drinks before we interview, and that can be shown. But seriously, uh, we are now in season two of the Balloon Artists podcast, and uh, in this season, we explore ways to entertain with balloons. And specifically, I would like to talk with you about building your own balloon show. So, I know from additional interviews that you've given that uh, you were originally doing other kinds of shows, so I want to really focus focus not on your past but more like on your point in time where you had your first balloon show. So how did you build it from the start?
1: Okay, well, I suppose to, to sort of go through the thought process, we do have to look at the past just a little. I started out as any young keen magician would going to the magic shop spending far more money than I could afford to spend on a bunch of junk props. And I tried to put every single prop in my show and my show was sort of 40 minutes of just thing after thing after thing after thing after thing. And, and I think I, I, my original show had about 14 effects in it. And when I cut that right down to four effects in my show, that's when my show started to become good. So I'm sort of at an advantage that I've come from this background of magic and, and performing and, and seeing how that works in the magic setting. So it was a, it was a small leap to move across to balloons. But it is, it is important, I suppose, the first thing is to not overcrowd your show. There's, there's so much great material out there that you can do. If you look through the old Balloon HQ columns, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of articles and, and columns written by various performers doing shows. And it's good to take those things and not try to make that 30 seconds in your show. Make that a quarter of your show and really try to drag everything out. Um, that's, that's when that, that particular revelation is when my show started to become quite good. So
0: it was not just a process of, uh, of writing your show or deciding what you'll do in it, but also of improving it along the way.
1: Yeah, I think the most common mistake is to think that people are there to see the props. You know, you're doing a show, people are there to see you perform with the props or with your hands or with balloons or whatever it is. Um, and I think that's the common mistake a lot of balloon twisters fall into is that people are there for the balloons, not for them. And once you can push past that point, and like I said, I'm at an advantage because I've come from a performance background and a lot of people who are balloon twisting haven't. But once you realize that what you make is, is so minimal and and reflecting that into a show what you do in the show is so minimal as long as what you're doing is with personality with humor and with engagement with the audience that is that's like the golden bullet that's the magic bullet to to a great show is that that interaction and that engagement level everything else you do is just filler so tell us a little bit about uh,
0: the technicalities of your show so how long is your show
1: so my show runs for 40 minutes, and I sell it as an hour-long package because there's 10 minutes set up and pack up either side. I try to justify the cost of my show by having it become an event. So I have a, a backdrop system that I set up. I have an elevated speaker system that I set up. My show is three trips to the car just to bring my show in. And what I feel that does is when the parents walk into the room, and it's, it's, it's about impressing the parents first and foremost... The kids will laugh at whatever you're doing if you do it well, but impressing the parents is my sole concern. So my show consists of a a great big show box which has all my props inside, a great big balloon tote which has all the pre-prepped balloons for the show inside, a backdrop that I set up in the living room of the of the family that I'm doing the show for, as well as an elevated sound system that I use regardless of the size of the venue. I mean, this is a very big, powerful sound system that I can do huge christenings where they get the drums out and they go crazy. I can still cut through all of that noise, and I will still use that same power sound system in a small lounge room environment. For a few reasons. First of all, every piece of equipment that I bring into the the event, it's a perception of quality thing for the parents. The parents see you bringing in a lot of equipment, a lot of professional equipment that I've invested in that looks expensive, that looks like it has had a good life and a good performing life. And to transform someone's living room into a little theatre for their kids' party is something that they're probably not expecting when they book a show. They're expecting some guy to rock up with a suitcase and a couple of silk handkerchiefs and do a show. Uh, So if I make an event, that's going to impress the parents. It's going to impress the children, but that's less of my concern. My concern is making sure the parents can see quality and value for money and what they're booking.
0: How long does it take to set up your show in advance? In, in terms of uh, balloon preparation.
1: So the actual balloon prep for my show probably takes about half an hour if I'm in a hurry. Uh, if I'm doing it slowly and taking lots and lots of care, then, then maybe 40 minutes. But I usually allocate myself half an hour to prepare for a show. Um, and that's just building the pre-prepared balloons that, that come out during the show and sort of have the big reveal. Uh, it's important, I found, with the balloons during the show to make them big and impressive because... The show is something that I sell to a group that is too big for twisting. So if the parents say to me, we have X budget or we have X amount of time, but we have 40 children, I can't twist 40 children's balloons to my quality that I'm happy with within an hour. So I can sell them the show, which is great. I say say very clearly up front that there are five kids during the show who will get a balloon. The rest of the kids in the venue will get a show. Um, I upsell slap bands and sort of marketing things if, if the parents are disappointed that all the other children aren't going to get something. But primarily, it's about the kids that help me up here on stage. And I make sure that the balloons that they get presented with are a big spectacle balloons, the sort of thing that you'd never see before. Uh, so, yeah, about 30 minutes, 40 minutes to prep all the balloons, and they just go into a balloon tote and just get loaded into the back of the car. Would you use uh, one of your Picos in your show, in your balloon show? I haven't yet. And the great thing about Picos is if you're talking about cross-pollination between the magic world and the balloon world, the Picos are such a small little product that can easily fit in any production prop that magicians might use. So it's something that I would consider, but at the moment I think the smallest thing that I use in my show is probably about the size of the the Buster's Ladybug. I I do a Rocky Raccoon routine where Rocky ends up making Buster's Ladybug for a kid. Um, The Picos stuff... Yeah, I think I would use it, but it's it's more aimed towards the twisting side of what I do. Uh,
0: in case someone is not familiar uh, about uh, the Pico, so the Pico is basically Matt faloon's uh, designs that are extremely small and extremely uh, cute and accurate. So if you're not familiar with that, we'll talk about that at the end of the show, about Matt's DVDs. Uh, but uh, definitely, like I can imagine... A routine where you take a pico and you change it into a big pico, like a big, basically same design, but very big with 646s or, or the other way around even, mm. and it can be an interesting uh, angle for, for the kids.
1: I'm going to steal that idea.
0: Awesome. So uh, is it okay for you to tell us what are the actual sculptures that you make in your show?
1: Okay, so I do um, a variety of different... Because my background's in magic, the easiest way to me, for me to start a balloon show is to magic is for magic, so I still look at a lot of magic props uh, and the the designs that I use in the show I try to incorporate as part of the routine so for example, I use Buster 's Ladybug, like I said in a change bag it 's a nice small sculpture. I use a book which is similar to the magic coloring book, if people know that to force a particular sculpture on a child. Do a bunch of business with Rocky where he's going to read their mind. He's going to do a bunch of tricks. Then he jumps in the change bag and twists said balloon. Um, The balloon's, of course, the ladybug, which I can then reveal. Big round of applause for the kid. Big round of applause for Rocky. And then the ladybug gets strapped around the child's wrist. One thing that I found early in the piece is that twisting balloons for an audience isn't entertainment. It might be a nice primer for a show situation, and if you're twisting as as the way you've been booked, sure, engage with the kids. But if you expect 30 children to sit down in front of you and watch you twist a dog, it's really not feasible unless you're doing something really amazing and have a really tight routine around twisting that particular dog. So a lot of the balloons in my balloon show are kept as revelations till the end. But I do things like... Um, a series of masks, using David Brennan's masks, which I use in a very popular routine called Princess in a Pickle.
0: Yes, and that uh, routine by Silly Billy uh, from uh, the US.
1: Yeah, so I I balloonify that routine by dressing the children up, not only in the silks, but also in a burglar mask, a princess crown, a dragon mask, and a, a frog mask. And it's just a really nice way to draw the routine out and also make it more about balloons. It's still, in essence, a a magic... Although I see that as more of a comedy routine because the magic sort of fades into the background with that routine. But to be able to take a magic routine and balloonify it is something that I I look at quite a lot because it's an easy way to build new routines for your show. One of the big finals of my show is the giant quick-link dog, which is 15 quick-links tied together into a chain... After a little bit of silly, silliness and nonsense with those quick links, you can then twist that into the standard three-twist puppy dog. Very big. It fills the lounge room hugely, very interactive for the kids, and it's a giant giveaway at the end. So it's a really nice, uh, impressive way to do things. Would you like to
0: see the new 16 inches quick link?
1: If there was 16-inch quick links, I would over-invest in 16-inch quick links. That would just be incredible. Uh, yeah, I think I think that has to be sort of the next... next balloon they go to if they are going to bring in a new shape a 16 inch quick would be amazing
0: i'm using princess and imperial as well uh this routine i sell it to the customer as if it's uh, a stage show that the kids are the actors and that uh, it's like a drama class inside the birthday party and this is something which is considered higher value in Israel where the kids are the stars built in into your show. So it's an emphasis that I use. But I don't use the balloons in that show. Uh, it's primarily a magic show in this phase. That's,
1: that's something that I try to build into most of my routines is, is making the child the star. I'm there to facilitate their fame in front of their friends. Sure, I'm the one making mistakes and making jokes, but when that child is up on the stage, it's about them. Uh, I still blame them for things and have things go wrong and, and very obviously say it's their fault when it's obviously mine. That's a that's a difficult road to walk. You've got to make sure that, that the kids know that it's definitely your fault and you're not specifically blaming the child. But if you can break past that thing and treat children as little versions of adults and not sort of uh, kid-glove them and not cotton-wool them too much, they really appreciate, I find, a lot of cynicism, a lot of sarcasm, if you can get the kids to understand that it's not about them and you're the one being the fool. Uh, well, what do
0: you think about the age of, uh, of a kid that is suitable for uh, your balloon show?
1: I try not to book my balloon show for any group younger than an average age of about five. Uh, I try to communicate that to the parents, so I'll say that if the average age of the group is five, which means that most of the kids are five or above, even if you've got a couple of two- and three-year-olds, as long as parents sit with them, that'll be fine. I would never do my show and i make a real effort of not selling my show for four-year-old birthday parties, three-year-old birthday parties because I'm very honest with the parents. I say, listen, you're wasting your money. You're much better to go for either my balloon twisting package or if you don't want to go for the balloon twisting package, book something like a kid's disco. That way the kids can choose the level of involvement that they want to engage with the show. For me, doing a show is about doing a good show. If I walk out of an event and I've done a poor show and I feel in my heart that it's a poor show, that gets me down. It's not about the money for me. It is actually about performing a great show for the right group of kids. And if you can head off the problem of the kids being too young before you even book the show, you're just in front. And what about the maximum age? Maximum age is, is a bit tricky. I f- seem to find that without specifically marketing to a certain age group, By saying that I've got a balloon show, I do find that my audience skews lower. So I'll get sort of the five to eight-year-old parties. I very rarely will get a nine to 13-year-old party. It just doesn't really happen. If it does happen, it's balloon twisting. It's not that I market my show for that younger age. I just think that a balloon show in name only is more suggestive of a younger age crowd, which is disappointing in a way to me. I'd love to do for older age kids, but it's just not something that comes my way very often to how many kids
0: did you perform with this show when you had the most kids?
1: The most kids I've ever performed for this particular show has probably been three or 400 in a large school setting and I've also done a couple of small country town trips where I do shows in the local pubs and clubs for school holiday events and usually you've got a three 400 piece audience for those sorts of shows. I've designed my show so... It's kind of expandable, which is a weird thing. I've got the layout of my show, we've got the backdrop at the back, I've got a central prop box, and then I have two tables and five standstill spots, which is something that's available from Barry Mitchell, I think they're a small coloured plastic spot to get the child to stand where you want. And I find that this is a really good layout because if I'm doing a lounge room show, I can have that really compressed in the space that I'm working with.
0: And when you say lounge room, you mean like the main living room of like the... A,
1: like a living area show, yeah, um, which is 90% of my business is going to someone's house and doing a show in their living room. Uh, but if I do book a school show or a, or a public show, all I need to do to make the show fill the stage is spread out the tables and setups that I have. So it's, it's a really flexible system. If you're in a very narrow room, let's say five metres wide, I can perform my show quite easily in that area, whereas if I'm on a 20-metre-wide stage, all I need to do is set my backdrop up and spread those tables and props out, and I can ultimately perform the same show just have it on a much larger scale which i think is something that if i was working straight out of suitcase like many magicians do it would always look like a small show i can always sort of beef up my show and make it look bigger than it is cool so what happens if someone books your show and
0: another group of kids wants to book your show uh, maybe from the same class or the same kindergarten and do you have any problem of doing the same show what do you do with that situation
1: the advice i was given about repeating the show i have i've i've sort of changed my show probably 3 or 4 times in the in the 5 years that i've been doing a balloon show and I keep everything that I pull out of my show, I keep as backup. So if I do know that I'm going back to the same family's christening the next month or something like that, I can pull a couple of extra different things out of my sleeve. Having said that, one thing that was really drummed into me, I used to watch a lot of children's TV. I actually still watch a lot of children's TV because it's, it's research and let's face it, it's fun. One show that had me fascinated when I was a young teen was The Teletubbies. And it's a strange thing to say, but first of all, they were kind of trippy, which, you know, is always fun. I'm a big animatronics puppet fan, so I loved watching what they did with the costumes and just sort of reverse engineering that in my mind. And there was one part in the Teletubbies where they would point to the little screen in their belly and they would play a clip of children at the park or enjoying ice cream or whatever it might be. Once that clip was finished, all of the Teletubbies would say, again, again and they'd play exactly the same clip again. And as a teenager, I thought that was super boring because you're just seeing what you've just seen. Having said that, kids' brains thrive on repetition. Uh, Another good example is um, my girlfriend's little nephew. He travelled a lot this year to New York and back again, and I think it was only two or three flights to New York and back, but by the end of those two or three flights, he could completely recite the safety briefing. And having that level of repetition is actually really good for kids. They really enjoy that. Uh, You'll occasionally get the oldest cynical kid who'll say, I know what you're going to do with that particular box or prop. And in that case, I sort of bring them into the fold and I say, well, you're going to be my little buddy. Your job is to keep it secret. And bringing them in and telling them that their job is to keep it secret sort of brings them on side to work with you. So let's talk about the way that you built
0: your first balloon show and what can someone who is building his first balloon show uh, can learn from it. So what kind of advice in retrospective would you give someone that starts to build his first balloon show?
1: Well, there's, there's a quote that says the artist that produces more than he takes in is the sign of an amateur. So the first bit of advice that I would give is go and watch as many kids' shows as you can, whether it's kids' TV, whether it's other performers doing their show, whether it's just YouTube clips of people doing things with balloons. I got my start really getting on YouTube, and, and I, I typed in Balloon Show because I was feeling a little bit disenfranchised with the magic world, and and I typed in Balloon Show, and after I'd filtered through all of the girls in high heels stomping on balloons, I, I found um, Buster Balloon and Danny Schlesinger. Um, and, and clips from their show. And that really sort of opened my eyes to, okay, well, I've been a magician for so long. I've been doing this sort of stuff for so long. I can do this sort of stuff, but in the different context of it being a balloon show rather than a magic show. So it's it's a little bit tricky to, to try to rephrase things in your mind when you, you watch a puppet show or a magic show or a, or whatever show it might be, juggling act or whatever, and try to reappropriate what you see and say, what can I see and what can I do with balloons out of what I've just seen? But I think that's the first step, is really going out and researching a lot and seeing a bunch of different performance styles. The other bit of advice I'll tell you, you'll probably get the collective scorn of a lot of magicians, go out and copy some stuff. I mean, go to some kids' parties using someone else's routine. You'll you'll very soon realise that it doesn't work and you need to appropriate it for yourself, but at least it gives you a starting ground, like a launching pad rather than just going out there completely bare and completely open. Uh, There's a lot of good books. There's one particular book that I got a lot of of value out of called Scripting Magic and it just talks about how to actually like write down and, and prepare your performance so you're, you're ready for every eventuality. And it's a very, very useful book to have. just gives you an idea of an insight into a stage performer's mind. But, yeah, really just go out and, and take in a lot of stuff. That's really the trick.
0: How far do you see uh, a balloon show from making balloons on stage?
1: The great thing about a balloon show, it is so devoid of classification. Nobody knows what a balloon show is. So when a parent books a balloon show, they don't exactly know what they're getting. So you could, as a balloon show, sure, you could stand up in front of people and just make balloons. And I've seen situations where that is really great and super exciting. One particular example was um, a guy called Sian from, who was at Millennium Jam, a Japanese gentleman who, who did an amazing stage performance where he just made balloons. He had some prepared stuff, but he also just made stuff from scratch. Having said that, if you don't have that level of flair and enthusiasm behind the balloons, that can be a really boring thing to watch. So my advice would be don't expect to be able to put a show together just making balloons. And that's why a lot of my stuff is pre-prepared. I I don't twist anything live during my show.
0: Yeah, uh, I I can totally agree. And I feel like uh, as a magician, when you're looking at uh, like a fancy manipulation magic trick, and uh it's being done with music with actually no no speech whatsoever sometimes it can be very interesting but the level of uh of the art that you need to be at in order to perform those manipulations is very high so it's like juggling it's a juggling show so the same thing goes with balloons i think when you watch uh takahiro kai uh or sian or one of those uh artists build a sculpture for balloons according to music they move like a dance they are juggling balloons mm-hmm. and uh but uh you need to be very skilled uh, and work on your um uh, choreography in order to make it happen i think so starting with just doing balloons as is without choreography without the music without composition it will probably be a little bit boring
1: yeah, I mean, it does take a certain level of skill and flair to be able to perform in that way. And there's I'm sure there's many people listening who have that skill and flair, and that's that's really... I wish I was in their position. I wish I had that and I could just get out and make balloons to music. But that's not that's not who I am. That's not what I do. I mean, any juggler who does a professional juggling show will tell you that once you get all the balls up in the air it's time to move on to the next piece because that's boring. You can juggle seven balls masterfully but do it more than a couple of seconds and the audience thinks it's dull. Uh, and it's the same thing with balloons. So that's why I look at... I look at having balloons as being sort of the uh, the common touch point in each particular routine that I put together but they're not the the soul and centre of the routine. I feel that balloon magic or balloon performance could get a little bit tiresome. Like any... I mean, I find mentalism slightly tiresome because magicians are constantly trying to convince the audience of something that the audience know isn't true, which is, I can read your mind. And, you know, I find gospel magic slightly tiresome because it's quite often only about the message. And, you know, it's, it's, it's nicer to do a, a routine around a, a message or a touch point, in this case balloons, and not have the whole thing be about that particular thing. Just have that as the sweetener on the end. And that gives you a lot more scope to play around with a balloon show and do what you want. I mean, I have magic routines in my balloon show. I have comedy routines in my balloon show. I have puppet routines. I have stunt routines. I'm not stuck in one particular box in the same way that a magician or a juggler may be. Cool.
0: So it's very diversified and basically more entertaining.
1: Well, more entertaining comes down to the performer. I'd like to think that I'm more entertaining than every other uh, kids entertainer out there, but that's up to the audience as well.
0: If, if someone is starting to build a show, he understands he needs to do the research, he does his research, he learns, he gets inspiration, and he wants to sit down and compile his show, build it, where should he start? What should he do next?
1: If you've got access to a young audience, say if you've got kids in primary school or something like that, that you can go and perform for their school, that's a great sort of testing ground. Um, I'm unfortunate because I didn't have that, And so I found that what I had to do when I started my magic work is really just go out and do it. And I know that the first 10, 20, 30, 40 times I went out, I was a horrible magician. But I practiced enough at home. I didn't know enough about performing. But getting out in front of people, it's sort of a baptism of fire. You really do learn a lot about performing. And over many years, you'll develop instincts, or this is what at least happened with me. I developed instincts about where the audience was going, what they were enjoying Um, whether or not I should continue a certain routine or not. You know, you get a feel for these sorts of things as you go on. So there's only so much practicing in front of a mirror that will do you good. It's really a matter of getting out in front of, uh, in my case, kids and, and doing it and seeing what flies and what doesn't. And that's the way I approach new routines now. I'll add a new routine into my show that I don't know will work. And I'll trial it and certain bits will work and certain bits won't. And I just know for the next time I perform it to change this bit, change that bit.
0: Cool, so find a way to practice, basically
1: Yeah, and practice in front of an audience Practicing at home is not a good indication of your actual ability
0: Yeah, it's just uh, very hard to entertain the mirror
1: Exactly right, you might make yourself laugh But you might not make other people laugh
0: Right. Matt Falloon, you are well known in our uh, niche as a person that knows how to create things for himself, by himself. There are many examples for this. Give us a few examples of things you built by yourself.
1: So in terms of things I've built for the industry, when I moved from magic into balloons, I, I recognized a couple of holes in the industry that I slowly tried to patch. Um, so things like a, a, a balloon cutter with a replaceable blade is something that, that I put together, mainly because I was sick and tired of rebuying new cutters every time the blade went went loose. I'm lucky that uh, I have the, I suppose, the, the equipment to, to make these sorts of things. Um, but I mean I use this equipment to make a lot of things for my shows as well so it's really great to be able to see a routine that you think will apply well to balloons and then actually fabricate something around that existing routine to make it your own and make it really apply to balloons, make it really apply your show
0: So you're talking about uh, basically the 3D printing uh, technology and uh, do you do everything by yourself or do you use some uh, outsourcing companies?
1: Well, once again, I'm lucky that I sort of learnt uh, 3D CAD design and modelling fairly early just by tinkering around by myself. I never did a course or anything like that. It was just things that I that I came across. Uh, but, I mean, there's there's any number of outsourcing companies that you can use if you're not lucky like that. So there's a website called Fiverr, which is R. I've heard mixed results about Fiverr, but you can basically get any computer design stuff done through Fiverr for a very low price these guys basically just bid on the jobs to get the lowest price so if you want 3d modeling done for a prop or you want artwork done for a prop you can have that all done through fiverr
0: cool and i know that you also have a very uh highly customized uh, bag for your balloons and do you also have props in the show that are customized for you
1: yeah absolutely i try to um i try to make my show as unique as it can and as i can and um Situations like you, you might go and you might buy a magic prop from a magic from a magic shop and you might really love the the technique and the process of doing that particular effect. But you find out that other magicians in your area are doing that effect or other performers are doing that effect. And so to be able to customize it um, via whatever means, you don't have to have a 3D printer and you don't have to have these things. You could just go to the toy store and buy certain things and pull them apart and stick them together. In order to make that effect your own, Is really going to give you that point of difference between the guy who just pulls out the shop-bought trick and somebody who b- brings out an effect that's been tailor-made for their show. And that's really something you just got to roll your sleeves up and do. There's no real teaching and lesson that you can you can go through to learn how to do that. It's just something you've got to jump inside and do. I mean, a great example is I'm doing now a needle-through-balloon routine in my show. And needle-through-balloon is the oldest routine in the book. If you want to do a balloon magic trick, that's the one that's the, the first page of any book Um, A lot of science teachers do that as part of their science curriculum. Uh, There's all sorts of things where you'll see that particular effect done. And the effect is the same regardless of where you go. It's you get a balloon, you push a needle through the balloon, everyone claps because you haven't popped the balloon and there you go. Whereas I looked at that and I wanted to do something different with it, so I've built myself a whole pirate routine built around the needle through balloon where I've got a little pirate sword with a scabbard and I pull the sword out of the scabbard and the needle is the blade of the sword, and so it suddenly becomes this very standard sort of needle through balloon effect, and turns into a role-playing thing where you get a child up on stage. They're going to be the pirate. They're going to attack the bad guy, which is this balloon. They stab the they stab the uh, the sword through the bad guy's head. The handle comes off. There's a whole bunch of comedy that comes out of it, and this is just me playing with a standard needle through balloon effect that you can buy at any magic store for probably ten twenty dollars. And it's just what you bring to the existing effect to make it your own.
0: What I love so much about it is that it's not just uh, creating a very entertaining uh, experience because you're adding to the magic trick of uh, a needle through balloon. You're adding some comedy and you're adding some plot. Which is very crucial for creating a, a routine and not just a bit. Uh, but it's also a very w- good way to show your professionalism because your show looks unique.
1: Yeah, I think a common mistake that people make is thinking that the most, they basically get in reverse what is the most important thing and what is the least important thing. When I'm doing balloons, the balloons are the least important thing. And when I'm doing my show, the actual effects in the show are the least important thing. What is the most important thing is making sure those kids are having a good time. I don't care if a magic trick goes right or wrong. I don't care if a routine goes right or wrong. There's been situations where my show has gone completely off the rails because a child's been uncooperative or has wanted to be the star of the show when I haven't wanted them to and sometimes if that situation becomes the most entertaining thing, abandon the show, roll with it because if they're getting more joy out of that, you're there to give your audience joy, you're not there to tick all the boxes of what you've got written down for your show, so you've got to have that sort of flexibility and freedom in your mind to roll with whatever situation comes up or as I think a lot of amateurs doing a show really think that okay, I want to do these six effects, and these six effects are the sole focus of my show. And if anything gets in the way of me doing these six effects, I have to rip everything back onto track. And I think that's a really dangerous way to uh, to basically set yourself up to do a poor show. You've got to be able to roll with the punches.
0: Wonderful. And there's a lot of ways to do that. You can go and do some clown seminar and And learn improvisation, and uh it's, it's those kind of skills are actually very crucial when you're doing any show, but particularly a balloon show
1: yeah i mean like like I said before, I think you are granted a certain level of grace because people don 't know what a balloon show entails so yeah you're you're given such a free rein such a such a long leash to play with, and that's what I really love about doing the balloon stuff is. I, I i don't have to do magic tricks anymore or if i was a puppeteer i don't have to do puppets any- like you you can do whatever you want or you can do as little as you want it's it's completely up to you because it's such a undeclared thing what a balloon show is it just gives you so much freedom and, freedom and flexibility
0: cool and uh when it comes to creating uh, more of your props or original props uh you also have uh, the roll-ups can you tell us uh, like who uses your roll-ups
1: yeah, so um, the roll-ups have been adopted by by a lot of balloon artists. Basically, it's a really great way of storing your balloon rolls. I know a lot of artists in Australia uh, are using them. David Brennan has just bought a bunch of them to, to help store his balloons. It's it's a really nice system of storing your balloons. A lot of people use, like, craft foam and some rubber bands. This is a, uh, it's a woven nylon mesh that has curl built into it. I mean, it's a bit hard to explain it non-visually, but imagine if you rolled up a piece of paper and then unrolled the paper again, if you let go of the paper, it would roll back into its shape. And it's basically like that. And you pack your balloons into that rolled up nylon weave. And it's a really nice professional looking way of storing your balloons that uh, holds them very neatly. And it constricts as you pull each balloon out, that roll will get a slightly bit tighter and tighter. So it will hold all those balloons really nicely and neatly together. Uh, yeah, really, really nice product to use.
0: And that's uh, available only through JJ's Balloons?
1: Yeah, over at balloonguy.com.au. I actually can't get enough of it at any one time to send it out to a global distribution network, so I do have to stick to one distributor with that. So, But JJ will do a great job. He will post anywhere in the world. If his uh, if the postage for your country isn't listed on the website, just shoot him an email. He's more than happy to to arrange postage quotes for for the rolls and whatever. I mean, there's a number of other products that he sells too. Cool. And you
0: do have a few DVDs. Let's talk about that and uh, wrap up. So, what the uh, DVDs and uh, digital downloads did you create, and where can we find them?
1: So. My main distribution network is JJ over at balloonguy.com.au and I also sell a lot through Lorinda over at continentalsales.net. Uh, the reason I've chosen those guys is because they do so much to put back into our industry and I really want to support those who are pushing the, the boundaries and doing what we need to do. Uh, since the internet age has has come on, I have moved towards digital downloads, mainly because... When you look at all of the costs of producing a DVD, having it duplicated, sending it out to distributors, adding all the margins everyone wants, the end user pays $50, for example, for a DVD, and I'll get X amount of dollars back after my distribution chain has has taken their cut. With digital downloads, I can charge $35 for the same content, and I still make the same money because I don't have to make copies and send it out to distributors so everyone kind of wins in that situation plus the digital download is a lot more convenient way to have your educational material you can watch it on a train uh, you can you know anywhere you are you can just pull it up on your mobile phone and and there it is so my digital download products are available through balloon-animals.com you just click on the store tab and there's a whole bunch of different things in there um, that you can download as well as some of my dvds that you can download as well if you don't need the physical copy
0: Cool, and uh, just to mention to mention some of the names uh, like uh, the Pico DVD, which I am a proud owner of, and the OCD DVD, which is uh, quite quite uh, a treat if you want to learn uh, more special techniques that are um, they're they more for the advanced twister the way I see it.
1: Yeah, OCD is very much an advanced DVD. Uh, Pico's has, um, intermediate to advanced, uh, sculptures on there. And the flower buds is a very basic, which is the, my latest download. It's a very easy beginner's, uh, concept to do. Having said that, I really encourage people not to limit themselves to what they see as the difficulty lever. If you're a beginner, try an advanced piece because you're going to surprise yourself with how far you get and you may not be able to complete the whole piece, sure, but, you're gonna get a lot further than you would have let yourself get have you uh just stuck to beginners things. So I really I, I really encourage people to push their comfort zones when it comes to educational material.
0: Oh yeah, and even if like you uh take a recipe and you just take one technique out of it and incorporate it into your day-to-day work then that's that's worth more than the amount invested in the DVD so definitely uh, the DVDs are a good way and the digital download is a good way to uh, improve your uh, profession. So, Matt Falloon, you were really awesome and generous with your uh, information and tips and uh, your uh, content is always top notch. You're a really nice guy. It was <laughs> <laughs> such, a, such a fun experience meeting with you and having you wear my IMZV Kiwi shirt in WBC 16. So thanks again and where can people learn more about you in general?
1: Well, my website is www.mattfalloon.com.au, that's M-A-T-T, and then falloon, spelt exactly like balloon, but with an F instead of a B, .com.au, and there's a whole bunch of information there about me, my twisting, my shows, my products, my downloads, as well as links to my Facebook pages, Instagram, Twitter feeds, etc., etc.,
0: Cool. And of course, we'll put a link for that on BalloonArtistPodcast.com so you'll be able to watch that. And uh, again, thank you again. Thank you so much, Matt Falloon.
1: My pleasure, Zivi. Let's have a drink. Yeah.
0: Bye-bye. Wow, what an awesome interview. Matt Falloon was so generous and shared so many of his ideas on how to do balloon shows. Uh, I really enjoyed listening to how he construct his material and his idea of uh, making the stage area small for smaller living rooms and bigger for bigger halls, and that way your setup is flexible. And I like the way that he is focused on impressing the parents in the beginning of the show during setup. And also, uh, just to hear how entertainment is important for Matt Falloon is so much fun and so inspiring. So I hope you got a lot of value out of this. As always, go to balloonartistpodcast.com to watch for some bonus material. Under the blue button, you can watch your content upgrade. And for this week, it's something really funny, some uh, video clip uh, with Matt Falloon uh, from WBC. So really um, a hidden gem that you cannot find anywhere else except for here in the Balloon Artist Podcast. I do want to also remind you, we have a competition going on. So if you didn't hear the previous chapter, go and listen to that. And you have one more week to compete and win Andrew Smith's ebooks. You should check that out. Thank you, everyone. I am Zivi Kivi, and this is Season 2, Chapter 2, signing off. The tip section will be right after this. The Balloon Artist Podcast is brought to you by... Would you like to know what do you have in your balloon stock, in your balloon inventory? Do you want to have this list on you anywhere you go? Would you like a way that you can just order your balloons On your mobile phone whenever you want to and maintain lists of balloons for each project all of this including a barcode scanner feature and many other cool features like select a balloon by icon or by text all this can be yours if you purchase the balloon stock app look for it on iOS and on Android devices your iPhone can include this today Download and buy Balloon Stock now before its price goes up. Hello Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. This is season 2, chapter 2, tip section. Today you're going to get two tips. The first one is very quick. When you're going to com, and you're trying to download one of those content upgrades with the blue buttons, you'll be requested put in your email address. That's the email address that I'm going to send you the content upgrade to. So after you sign in, you don't need to sign in again. You will be uh, redirected to a thank you page. You don't need to go back and fill the form again. You will get the download directly to your mail. It will be a very short mail with a big, a big button that says download. I'm just sharing with you this because some people were confused and right to fill up the forms so many times. The second tip of today is about Facebook, and it's actually a metaphor that can help you uh, with anything you do on Facebook. So the metaphor is that Facebook is a cocktail party. It's a cocktail party that you go to every day, for, for a few hours as well. So you need to think about it as this big cocktail f- party with lots of people that you know, some people that you don't know, and people that you love, and... You don't want to be that person that goes from one group to another group to another group of people, real people, yeah, and tell them exactly the same story with the same words and the same pictures into their heads. So you don't want to be that. That, that, that's, you know, um, will look really weird in a real scenario. Like if, if, if you would see someone that goes from one person to another in the same party and just repeat the same messages, the same stories as is, you would think that he's a, an annoying person. So don't be that. Instead, when you're posting something in one group, in one closed group, for example, in a balloon artist group, uh, you should customize your text. You should try to adjust your messages so that it will fit the group purpose which for example in, in our case the balloon artist facebook group purpose is to help people grow their businesses and to get constructive reviews on your art um, not just the hey I like it but also some, some reviews that will be constructive Okay, with what to improve so if you have to share something in more than one group Try to customize the text. Try to give a different message. Ideally, you want to tell a different story in each group because that would show that you're giving exclusive content for that group. And, you know, some people are walking with you from one group to another. So they are noticing that you are saying a different story. So now you are more interesting for them. So that's a quick tip about how to use facebook groups more efficiently for you and i hope you've enjoyed the tip see you next week guys